When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. After years of playing with all sorts of aspects of botanical method aquariums, you start noticing patterns and trends in our little specialty world, and observing your own niche closely makes you a more keen observer of other hobby specialties too. Now, I've noticed a little trend, if you will, in some specialized areas of the hobby, such as the cichlid world, for example, which is really kind of interesting. It seems that there's been a sort of a mental shift from keeping cichlids in more or less utilitarian, almost sterile setups for breeding to aquariums that more accurately reflect the habitats from which these fishes hail in the wild and just sort of letting them do their thing naturally. I really like this because it means that we're paying, you know, a greater attention to the big picture of husbandry, not just you know, feeding water chemistry and providing spawning locations. Instead, we're providing all of these things within the context of a more natural display and hobbyists are getting great results and they're enjoying their tanks even more. I think that's, it's probably the hobby's worst kept secret that even if it wasn't your ambition to do so, your fishes will often spawn in your tanks by simply providing them optimum environmental conditions. Now, I'm not saying that the, you know, the bare breeding tank with a sponge filter and a flower pot is no longer the way to approach, you know, maintenance and breeding of fishes like cichlids. What I am saying is that there's a distinct advantage to the fish and to the owners to keeping them in a setup that's more or less permanent and more reflective of their natural environment from a physical or even aesthetic standpoint, if you will. Now, I recall many years ago, or actually not that many years ago, but a number of years ago, I recall keeping killifish like epiplates, pseudoepiplates, and some fun little pangchax species in uh, permanent setups with, you know, the usual lots of plants, Spanish moss, and leaves. Yeah, even back then in my teens, I was throwing leaves in my tanks. And you know what? I would get some good spawns, and it seemed like I always had some fry coming along at various stages. I'm sure that some might have been consumed by the older fishes or the parents along the way, but many of them made it through to adulthood, and it was pretty satisfying. Now, I had a stable breeding population of a variety of Epiplates species in these kind of tanks for years. Sure, if you're raising fishes for competition, for trade, or whatever, you'd want to remove the juveniles to uh, a separate tank for controlled grow-out, or perhaps search for and harvest the eggs so you can get a more even grow-out of the fryer and more even hatching. But for the casual, or more than casual hobbyists, these permanent setups can work pretty nicely. Now, this is not a new concept. I mean, I think the idea of setting up fishes permanently and caring, you know, for them, having them spawn and burying the fry in the same tanks is a lot more popular than it used to be, but this has been done for years. And I realize that not all fishes can be dealt with like this for a variety of reasons. You know, discus, fancy guppies, etc. probably require more controlled conditions if you're going to get real seriously about breeding. However, do their setups have to be so starkly utilitarian all the time? Now, I was talking not too long ago, reminds me of a, of a friend who was, um, he was trying all sorts of things to get a certain Laracarid species to spawn. And he's a really experienced aquarius. He's bred tons of fishes, 
but for some reason this one was just i don't know vexing him i suppose that what's make the hobby what makes the hobby so interesting though is there's always that fish that just challenges you and of course i was impressed by all the efforts he's made to get these fishes to spawn so far but i kept thinking that there must be something fundamental something incredibly simple yet important that he was overlooking now what exactly could it be hard to say but it must be something some environmental chemical or physical factor which the fishes are getting in the wild but not getting in our aquariums i know that narrows it down but it makes it all the more intriguing i suppose right fish breeding requires us as hobbyists to really flex some skills and some patience and when i travel around the country on speaking engagements or whatever and have occasion to visit the fish rooms of some pretty talented hobbyists i never cease to be amazed at what we can do i mean we can do and we do an amazing job there's some people doing all kinds of cool stuff and of course being the thoughtful type i always wonder if there's some key thing that we're still missing that could help us do even better now i realize that most fish breeders like to keep things controlled to a great extent to be able to monitor their progress see exactly where the fishes deposit their eggs, and to be able to remove the eggs and fry when and if needed. It's control. I mean, we strive to create the water conditions, you know, temperature, pH, current, lighting, all that stuff for our fishes to uh, affect spawning, but we tend to utilize more, I don't know, temporary type, artificial looking and, and feeling setups with equipment to actually facilitate egg laying, fry rearing, etc. Purely functional. And I often wonder what you know, what's wrong with the idea of a permanent setup, a setup in which the fishes are provided a natural setting, the proper environmental conditions, and just sort of left to their own devices to, you know, do their thing. Now, I realize that a lot of hardcore, very experienced breeders will scoff at this, and probably rightfully so. Giving up control where the goal is reproduction of your fishes is not a good thing, right? Practicality becomes important, hence the employment of clay flower pots, spawning cones, breeding traps, bear tanks to raise fry, all that kind of stuff. Now, what do fishes think about this? Well, sure, to a fish, a cave is a cave, be it constructed of ceramic or if it's the inside of a hollowed-out seed pot. It doesn't matter. To the fish, it's a necessary place to spawn quietly and to provide a defensible territory to protect the resulting fry. In all likelihood, they couldn't care less what it's made of, right? And to the serious or professional breeder, you know, viable spawns, sizable spawns, too, are the name of the game. I totally get that. I guess my approach to fish breeding has always been, you know, if it happens, great. If not, I want the fishes to have an environment that mimics the one they're found in naturally. And that works to a certain extent, but I can see how many hobbyists feel that it's certainly not the practical way to do systematic controlled breeding. But I can't help but ruminate about this non-approach approach thing. Not a better spawning cone breeding trap or more heartily enriched, enriched brine shrimp or whatever, but no, rather a holistic approach featuring, you know, excellent food, optimum water conditions, and a physical, uh, chemical environment reminiscent of the one in which they evolved over millennia. Won't the fishes figure it all out? Yeah, I think they will. It's just sort of a hunch I have. And my point here is not to minimize the work of talented fish breeders worldwide or to oversimplify things, you know, just add this and your fishes will make babies by the thousands, not, not that mindset. No, no, no. It's to continue to make my case that we should, at every opportunity, continue to aspire to provide our fishes with conditions that are reminiscent of those which they evolved under for eons. I think we should make it easier for the fishes, not for us. Sure, discus can spawn and live in hard alkaline tap water. And I know that many successful serious breeders and commercial ventures will make a strong and compelling case for why this is so and why it's more practical in most cases, you know, disease management and nitrogen cycle management, blah, blah, blah. Probably all very valid reasons. 
Yet, I'm still intrigued by the possibilities of maintaining and hopefully spawning species like this in aquariums approximating their natural conditions on a full-time basis. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't help but wonder if it's really possible that a couple of dozen generations of captive breeding and so-called unnatural conditions could undo millions of years of evolution, which has conditioned these fishes to live, grow, and reproduce in soft, tan, a soft, um, acid, tannin-stained waters, and that our tap water conditions are, you know, oh, just fine for them. I mean, maybe it's possible. Hey, I'm no scientist, but I, I can't help but ask if there's a reason why these fishes have evolved under these such conditions so successfully, and if embracing these conditions will yield even better long-term results for the fishes. I just, I wonder. I just think there's a good possibility that I'm kind of right about that. So again, I think it's important for those of us who are really into creating natural aquariums for our fishes to not lose sight of the fact that there are reasons why and benefits to fishes having evolved under these conditions. I think that rather than adapt them to conditions easier for us to provide, that we should endeavor to provide them with conditions that are more conducive to their needs, regardless of the challenges involved. That's just my opinion, of course. It's something to think about, right? And isn't there spawning something, I don't know, wonderful? I mean, for those of us who are not hell-bent on controlling the time and the place of our fish's spawning, it's, it's pretty amazing to check out your tank one night and see a small clutch of a pisto fry under the you know watchful eye of the mom in a stercoolia pot or whatever. Perhaps not as predictable or controllable as a more sterile breeding tank with a clay flower pot or whatever, but nonetheless exciting. And of course, to the serious breeder, it's just as exciting to see a bunch of wriggling fry in a PVC pipe section as it is for them to be you know, lurking around the leaf litter bed in a display tank. I, I suppose it's all how you look at it. There's no right or wrong answer. The one thing that I think we can all agree with is the necessity and importance of providing optimum conditions for our potential spawning pairs. There seems to be no substitute for, you know, good food, clean water, and a proper environment. Now, sure, there are a lot of factors beyond our control, but one thing we can truly impact is the environment in which our fishes are kept and conditioned. On the other hand, we do control the environment in which our fishes are kept, regardless of, you know, if the tank looks like the bottom of an Asian stream or a marble-filled, you know, 10-gallon bare-bottom aquarium, right? And what about the spontaneous, serendipitous spawning events that so many of you tell us have occurred in your botanical method aquariums? Over the decades, I've had a surprisingly large number of those spontaneous events in, you know, botanical method tanks myself. You know, you wake up one morning and your pencil fishes are acting kind of weird. Next thing you know, there's clouds of eggs flying all over the tank. That, that sort of stuff. I've seen that a bunch. And after the initial surprise and excitement, you know, during my post-game analysis that I always do, I'd always try to figure out what led to the spawning event. And I concluded that often it was pure luck coupled with providing the fishes a good environment rather than some intentionally spawning-focused efforts I made. Well, maybe luck was a much smaller contributor, really, when you think about it. After a few years of experiencing this sort of thing, I began to draw the conclusion that it was more the result of going out of my way to focus on recreating the correct environmental conditions for my fishes on a full-time basis, not just for spawning and conditioning, which is what led to these events occurring repeatedly over the years, with all sorts of fishes, too. When it happened again a couple years ago in my experimental leaf litter-only tank hosting, I think it was 20 uh, Paracaridon simulans, the green neon tetras, I came to that conclusion, in a rather circuitous sort of way, that I am a fish breeder of sorts. Well, that's not fair to legit fish breeders, I'm sorry. More precisely, I'm a fish natural habitat replication specialist. How's that? It's a nice way of saying that by focusing on the overall environmental conditions of the aquarium on a full-time basis, I could encourage more natural behaviors, including spawning, among the fishes under my care. And I, it's a sort of a byproduct of my practices as opposed to the strict stated goal. 
Additionally, uh, over the years, I've postulated that rearing you know, young fishes in the type of environmental conditions under which they'll spend the rest of their lives just makes a lot of sense to me. Having to accumulate uh, or acclimate, excuse me, young fishes into unfamiliar or different conditions, however beneficial they might be, still could be stressful to them. So why not be consistent with the environment from day one? Wouldn't a botanical method for rearing system with its abundant, you know, decomposing leaves, biofilms, and microbial populations be a benefit? I think so. This is an interesting, in fact, fundamental aspect of botanical method aquariums, as we've discussed many, many, many times here. The idea of onboard food cultivation for fishes. The breakdown and decomposition of various botanical materials provides a very natural supplemental source of food for young fishes, both directly, as in the cases of fishes such as, you know, wood-eating catfishes or whatever, and indirectly as they graze on the algal growth, biofilms, fungi, and small crustaceans which inhabit the botanical leaf bed in the aquarium. And of course, decomposing leaves can stimulate a certain amount of microbial growth, with infusoria, forms of bacteria, and small crustaceans becoming potential food sources for fry. I've read a few studies where phototrophic bacteria were added to the diet of larval fishes, producing measurably higher growth rates. Now look, I'm not suggesting that your fry will gorge on beneficial bacteria cultured in situ in your blackwater nursery and just grow exponentially faster or whatever. However, I am suggesting that it might, it might provide some beneficial supplemental nutrition, you know, at no additional cost to you. It's essentially an evolved version of those jungle tanks I reared Achilles in when I was a teen. A different sort of look and function. The so-called permanent setup in which the adults of fry, you know, they all typically coexist and the fry find food amongst the natural substrate and other materials present in the tank. Of course, you could remove the parents after the breeding. The choice is yours. Well, I believe that we can be lucky about having fishes spawn in our tanks when that wasn't the intent. I don't believe that fishes reproduce in our tanks solely because of luck. I mean, sure, you will happen to have stumbled upon the right combination of water, pH, current, or whatever, and blam, spawning, that does happen. However, I think it's more of a cumulative result of doing stuff right for a while. So what's wrong with the idea of a permanent setup, a setup in which fishes are provided a natural setting and left to their own devices to do their own thing? There really is nothing wrong with that. It's all about wonder. It's about awe. It's the happenstance of giving your fishes exactly what they need in the most natural way possible. And that's pretty cool too, isn't it? Of course, there's more to being a successful breeder than just having the fishes spawn. You have to rear the resulting fry, right? So sure, half the battle is just getting the fish to lay eggs in the first place, a confirmation that you're doing something right to make them comfortable enough to want to reproduce. And there's a skill that it takes to rear fry as well. Yet I think that with more intensive and creative approaches, our botanical method aquariums can help with the rearing aspect too. Sure, it's a more hands-off approach than the traditional keep the fry knee-deep in food at all times approach that serious breeders often employ, but my less deliberate, more hands-off approach can work. I've seen it happen many times in non-breeding tanks. We're seeing more and more reports of spontaneous spawnings of all sorts of different fishes associated with blackwater conditions. And I think it's often a group of fishes that the aquarist has had for a while, but perhaps with, you know, putting little effort into spawning them, and then it just sort of happens. For others, it's uh, per perhaps unexpected, or maybe it's expected, perhaps the ultimate goal as it relates to a specific species, but it was just taking a long time to come to fruition. I just wonder, being a lover of the more natural looking and functioning aquarium, if this is a key approach to unlocking the spawning secrets of more difficult to keep or difficult to spawn fishes. Not a better spawning cone or breeding trap or whatever, but a holistic approach. 
And I wonder if the fry rearing tanks can and should be natural setups too, even for serious breeders. You know, again, lots of plants, botanical cover, whatever. I mean, I know they can. I guess it's just more of a question of if we want to make the associated trade-offs again. Sure, you give up some, you know, control, but I wonder if the result is fewer yet healthier, far more vigorous fishes. Again, not a new idea or even a new theme here in our podcast and blog. It's pretty interesting stuff to me. Everybody has their own style of fry rearing, of course. Some hobbyists like the bare bottom tanks. They prefer, some prefer densely planted tanks. I'm proposing the idea of rearing young fishes in a botanical method aquarium with leaves, seed pods, and rich soil. Maybe some plants as well. They physically and functionally mimic, at least to some extent, the habitats in which many young fishes actually grow up in in the wild. My thinking is that decomposing leaves will not only provide material for the fishes to feed on and among, they'll provide a natural shelter for them as well, potentially eliminating or reducing stresses. In nature, many fry, which don't receive parental care, tend to hide in the leaf litter and other bio cover in their environment, and providing this stuff in the aquarium will certainly accommodate this behavior. Decomposing leaves, as we know, can stimulate a certain amount of microbial growth with, you know, infusoria and even forms of bacteria becoming potential food sources for fries. For fry, did I just say fries? I think I just did. For fry. I've read quite a few studies where phototrophic bacteria were able, were added to the diet of larval fishes, producing measurably higher growth rates too. And that's interesting. Now, I'm not suggesting that your fry is going to, your fry are going to gorge on all this bacteria cultured in situ, as I just mentioned above but it may provide some beneficial supplemental nutrition. And I occasionally think that in our effort to achieve the results we want, we look something as, overlook something as basic as this. I certainly know that I have, and I think that our fishes will let us know too. I mean, those accidental spawnings aren't really accidental, right? They're the result or the example of fishes letting us know that we've been providing them what's exactly what they need. And I think that's worth considering, isn't it? Nature has a way. It's up to us to figure out what it is, be it with a ceramic flower pot or a pile of botanicals. Let's keep thinking about this and let's keep enjoying our fishes by creating more naturalistic conditions for them in our aquariums. Stay curious, stay enthralled, stay diligent, stay methodical, stay observant, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.